Welcome to Innovation at the Edge, a podcast dedicated to bold ideas that will build a more sustainable and resilient world. We interview global thought leaders and discuss what's new in innovation and share insights for both entrepreneurs and corporations to build more agile and resilient businesses. Tomorrow's low-carbon and all-electric world will be created by both disruptive entrepreneurs and large corporations. And this podcast provides advice to both on how to scale their ideas. In this episode, host Emmanuel Lagarigue, Chief Innovation Officer at Schneider Electric, interviews Emily Kirsch, CEO of Powerhouse, to discuss how entrepreneurs and corporations are adapting to stay focused on growing their businesses in these difficult times. Lessons learned from the current crisis on clean tech investments and renewable energy deployments, and why the venture capital needs to embrace impact investing and greater diversity. Hi, everyone. I'm Emmanuel Legarig, uh, Chief Innovation Officer at Schneider Electric. I'm very, very pleased today to have on the show Emily Kirsch. She's the founder and CEO of Powerhouse an innovation center and incubator in the Silicon Valley in Oakland. And she's also the managing director of Powerhouse Ventures, which is a fund investing in startups, as you can imagine. Very, very focused on clean tech and how we make the world more sustainable and the alignment with objectives at uh, Schneider Electric. Emily, welcome. Thank you so much, Manuel. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So we are living in unprecedented times, COVID, now social tensions rising up everywhere, flying up everywhere, at least in, in uh, rich economies. So it's really, the world really feels very, very different from what it was six months ago. What is your advice to your founders, to your entrepreneurs? What has changed? How should they navigate those those times? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it is fair to first acknowledge the macro trends. And while I am an optimist and I Every founder listening, you have to be an optimist to start a company, to be crazy enough to do that. And while I am an optimist at Powerhouse, we recognize that it is a difficult time for so many reasons. Coronavirus, the unjust behavior that we've seen that has now risen to the surface for so many to be witness to for the first time, not to mention all of the climate challenges that we're increasingly experiencing around the world. So it is a difficult time, and especially for founders and entrepreneurs in clean energy and mobility, who are trying to raise capital. According to Crunchbase, there was a 27% drop in dollars invested in seed stage deals in Q1 of this year. And CB Insights reported that this decline in seed stage deals accounts for about 80% of the overall decline this quarter compared to Q4 of last year. So it is a difficult time. The data is showing that. However, at Powerhouse Ventures, I want founders and entrepreneurs to know that we are not slowing down our investments. We're going to continue to identify and support founding teams that are building innovative technology to change the way we power our world. And we believe that addressing the climate crisis requires that we deploy our best and most innovative market-based solutions today. I think for funds that are newer to energy and more energy curious, which we were seeing a lot of that interest at the beginning of this year before the coronavirus shut down a lot of the economy, they are more likely to take a step back and not make as many investments as they may have in our industry. But that's not us. Powerhouse Ventures and our partners like Schneider Electric Ventures and others are are here to stay. As far as advice to entrepreneurs, I think there's two main pieces of advice. One is seeking investment from energy experts and leaders in the industry makes a lot of sense right now because when you're pitching your company and trying to raise capital, the last thing you need is to spend an hour explaining the market opportunity to somebody who just doesn't believe it or doesn't get it. So I would say focus on investors who are already industry experts and get the foundation of what you're trying to do. And then second, I would say 
thinking critically about what value do you add in this current environment? So how is this this upended environment impacting your, your current customers, your potential customers? How can your product directly help them? And one example of that from our portfolio is a company called Ensemble Energy. And Ensemble leverages maintenance and sensor data to provide operation and maintenance for wind and solar assets. And Ensemble's product enables asset owners and operators to both increase efficiency and monitor assets remotely. And these are two really important value adds in this shutdown. And so again, I'd I'd encourage founders to think about what is your unique value add in this moment? And also just be kind to yourself. It is a hard time for a lot of reasons and and things are going to be different, but that doesn't have to stop you if you have a product that is able to provide unique value in this tough time. Yeah, it's probably harder for clean tech entrepreneurs because to your point, especially in the Silicon Valley, they come with value propositions or with a pitch that not everyone would understand. This is why the collaboration with large companies like Schneider Electric, who may understand the field but are not really able to innovate as, as sharply as uh, those entrepreneurs would do, this is why the collaboration is important. And this is why we are working together with, with Powerhouse and all those programs we, we're developing with you guys. Thank um, you. That is so far ahead of where many corporations are. There are many who haven't even gotten to the point where they say, one, we need to innovate at all, or two, we recognize that that innovation is going to come not not just internally, but externally as well, and seeking those collaborations with startups and new technologies and and entities like Powerhouse. It is a testament to Schneider Electric for investing in what you believe is the future of your company. Yeah, for us, it's pretty, it's pretty natural because it, it's so easy to become arrogant when, when you're a large corporation and your business is humming and say, well, I don't, I don't need the, any innovation. I don't need to go outside. Well, precisely, that's how you create a big incumbent that just claimed to be disrupted. So this is why for us, it's very, very important to develop this type of relationship like like the one we have with you guys, because we know we won't be able to invent the future by ourselves. We need you, we need the entrepreneurs and your founders to help project us into the future of clean tech and, and sustainability. So we would not be able to create the next version of Schneider Electric without people like you, for sure. Hey, um, so you were mentioning the fact that we have to stay behind entrepreneurs and that both at Powerhouse uh, Ventures and at Schneider Electric Ventures, that's what we've done during this crisis, making sure that they have the cash they need and that they they also learn because many of them are first-time entrepreneurs and it's the first time they really go through a a rough patch like this and they have to understand that cash is king and that how they have to to go through this in the best conditions possible. Any striking example of uh, entrepreneur or founder that you've seen thriving or doing especially a good job on this? Yeah, I think one example would be a company that we have the privilege to back called Energetic Insurance. Mm-hmm. And Energetic Insurance provides commercial and industrial solar credit insurance to unlock solar financing for unrated or below investment grade organizations by covering default on payment obligations. And not surprisingly, Energetic Insurance has seen this demand for their product spike during the pandemic, in part because developers are seeking to access financing and stabilized cash flows. And so energetic insurance customers are seeking out their policy because it helps create more predictability and confidence in off-taker cash flows for solar projects. And so people are seeking the type of financial product that energetic insurance has created because something like the crisis only increases the demand for the type of product and technology that they've built. Precisely. If you look at a company like this, which I I assume has a very strong software component. So is it the template of what we're going to see going forward in clean tech in in the Silicon Valley? Because in the Bay Area, usually 
VCs would focus on software companies. This is the the, the local specialty, right? So this is the, the the thing that the Bay Area produces the the best. And usually, those same VCs in the Bay Area have shown away from clean tech because it was looked upon as, oh no, this is very capital intensive, and we don't do that anymore. And the only capital intensive clean tech that you would find, the latest that was really funded by by those guys, was Tesla. But apart from that, they try to to stay away. Is there a path to connect this? software strength of the Bay Area, the capital of the Bay Area, and clean tech and making the, the world a better place? Such such a good question. And there was all of this excitement from big name venture funds in January and February before the coronavirus hit that said, we're going to do a climate fund and we're going to start investing in energy and mobility technology. And then coronavirus hit and everyone went quiet. I don't know how long they'll be quiet for, but I understand, you know, if it's not your area of expertise, it's harder to take a leap into a new industry. That being said, there are a couple big name VCs that that are starting to become pioneers in our industry. So this year, we made a follow-on investment in a Series A round for a startup that we participated in their seed round on called Leap, L-E-A-P. Mm-hmm. And their Series A was led by one of the biggest names in in venture, Union Square Ventures out of New York. They invested in companies like Twitter and Lending Club and Etsy and Twilio and Cloudflare. So really phenomenal portfolio. And Union Square Ventures now wants to invest in what they call climate technology. And Leap was their very first investment in the clean energy space. And Union Square Ventures is looking to powerhouse now to bring them more deal flow. And so we do see that as part of our role. We know that as much as we believe that having an expertise in energy is important as an investor. We also know that we want traditional mainstream capital to recognize the the opportunity that entrepreneurs like Leap and others that we've worked with together, we want them to recognize that opportunity that is not limited to hardware that is, as you said, so capital intensive. But there are so many opportunities now in software, in fintech, that have applications in the energy and mobility space. And our portfolio of companies and powerhouse ventures is entirely software and fintech focused. So we're just one example of of investors that are investing in that space, but it's no longer just niche investors like us, it's entities as big as Union Square Ventures. So going back to the to one of the comments you had in, in your answer, so before the crisis in January, February, there was huge momentum on the climate emergency. So where are we now? What has changed? Yeah, I think, you know, for for corporations, corporate budgets have been especially scrutinized during the pandemic, and some have stopped investing in the space entirely, but others are full steam ahead, and, and some are reckoning with what they've been and who they need to be in order to survive and continue. As far as our own partnerships, you know, one example of Schneider Electric, you know, you're one of our closest partners, and we know that your senior leadership has said that your investment strategy remains unchanged, that you will continue to have this long-term outlook on your portfolio. And that commitment can be seen in the relationships that you have with startups. So one example is with a company called Station A, which we invested in their pre-seed round, and now we're investing in their seed round, a price seed round that they're closing. And Station A is the first AI-powered clean energy marketplace. So just with a few clicks, their technology can evaluate available clean energy solutions for any commercial building in the country. They're able to enable data-driven decisions and determine which sources are the best offers for their projects to be completed through their marketplace. The work is continuing, corporate leadership, startup leadership. And then looking at the broader industry, they're 
a couple things that are happening that I think are worth pointing out. One is entities like NextEra Energy, which is a leading clean energy company and the largest electric utility holding company by market cap in the U.S., they announced in April that they plan to spend a billion dollars on energy storage next year, and they don't expect any of their five gigawatts of planned renewables to be delayed as a result of the coronavirus. So that's one very tangible recent example of, of a, a leading company that's pushing forward despite coronavirus, especially in something as, as new and capital intensive as storage. The other thing worth noting, and this is even more recent, According to BP, they said the aftermath of the pandemic will accelerate the pace of transition to a lower carbon economy. And this means more oil left in the ground and more investment in renewables. So there is a change happening and the macroeconomics of renewables don't change as a result of the coronavirus. Wind and solar are still the cheapest forms of electricity almost everywhere globally today. And that's only going to continue. So there is some change that's happening with corporates. Some of it is a continuation in the beliefs and investments that were already being made, but some are really reevaluating who they are and who they want to be and who they need to be in the world to continue to be relevant and to continue to be leaders. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, this point of actually the current crisis and, and the oil and gas crisis that has been contiguous to the COVID crisis is actually going to accelerate the transition to uh, to clean energy. Right? So just as you were mentioning the, the, the BP case, which is the new CEO of BP is very, very vocal about this. I was talking the other day with someone at Iberdrola, so which is Iberdrola, that will be the, the European version of Nextera. And they are the largest renewable developer now in, in Europe. And that point was that precisely because simply return rates on investments in oil and gas are not going to be great. And all those traditional, very traditional oil and gas companies are looking at investments in renewable as more attractive now because mm-hmm. the price of oil would not give them the return they were expecting. Exactly. So his point was was actually the oil and gas crisis will just accelerate mathematically just because of the logic of returns will accelerate the transition to renewables. There would be more competition also in the development of renewables leading to probably an even cheaper, a lower price of renewable power. And thus mm-hmm. accelerating all the ventures you and I are working on with our teams and creating more opportunities for all the entrepreneurs. So definitely the world will be will be different. If you had to bet on two or three trends after this, what would you say would be the next, the world after this uh, look like? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And it's really a privilege to be able to explore what are the technologies that are going to lead this transition. And one thing that always stands out to me is how wrong we've all been with the pace of adoption of renewables, even entities as respected as Bloomberg New Energy Finance and the IEA and others. No one has predicted the pace of renewable adoption at the scale at which it has actually occurred. And so in that context, when when I think about what we're most excited about it at Powerhouse and Powerhouse Ventures, we're looking at mass electric vehicle adoption, especially in commercial fleets, and what that enables as far as the electrification of everything. We think the electrification of everything will be catalyzed by transportation. We're also really interested in increasing the fact that cheap renewables will be unleashed by newly scalable battery storage and connected smart infrastructure that will integrate around the clock energy across the grid. All of this is going to be enabled by software that didn't exist a few years ago. And so this intersection of technology, renewables, the electrification of everything, the electrification of mobility are some of the things that we're most excited about. And so much of that is enabled by 
the investments and deployment of energy storage. And I'm happy you mentioned Iberdola in Davos. They were one of the most vocal advocates for this shift to renewable. So want to acknowledge that they're walking the talk like Schneider Electric and NL and other partners that we work with. Mm-hmm. It was very clear who was legitimately committing to innovation and who was saying it because they felt like they had to. Exactly, exactly. And if you think about it, there is no way that in 15 years from now, we are not going to use twice as much electricity as we do it. So the consumption of electricity on the planet is going to double at least, right? Because we all need more IT. We are all going to travel in electrical vehicles. In emerging countries, there is going to be more usage of HVAC as you develop a middle class. That's the first thing you, you, you do, consuming more energy. Now, it's not sustainable to think of doubling the grid. It's not sustainable, not well, of course, from a planet and resource conservation standpoint, but also simply from an economic standpoint, right? And, mm-hmm. and case in point is probably what's what's happening in Northern California with PG&E or in some parts of right. Australia, where the solution is definitely not to overinvest in the grid. The solution is going to decentralize, decarbonize sources of electricity and mm-hmm. making all this together work together with software. And I agree, electrification of transportation will be a big accelerator of this, and especially in fleets. We have mm-hmm. a lot of our largest customers who come to us and they, they have understood that electrifying their fleets of light commercial vehicles is not only cheaper because you have no maintenance on an electrical vehicle or very few maintenance. The fuel is a fraction of the cost of what you would get with gasoline, even with a very, very cheap old price. But they know that that it's not a one-on-one replacement. It's not like, oh, I retire my combustion engine truck and I replace it by an electrical truck. It needs to be taken care of differently and you need storage to your point, which is the big game changer in that electrification of the world and acceleration of consumption and a microgrid and, and a lot of software. And that software, again, comes from, from entrepreneurs and companies we haven't heard about yet and that are going to, to come very, very soon. So I agree, we should see that acceleration and no matter what, if anything, this COVID crisis has brought is probably a better consciousness and and awareness of all this. And I would bet on an acceleration of all those trends, actually. I think so, too. And and Schneider Electric has backed one of those companies in the fleet electrification space, EIQ Mobility, who we have the pleasure of sharing physical space with when when we are able to go back to our beautiful office. We're going to be excited to see Scylla Kilicante, who's the CEO, the founder and CEO there. And she's built this remarkable team and technology to do exactly that. So I think this is another example of Schneider Electric putting your money where your mouth is and and backing entrepreneurs like Scylla, who came out of the Stanford Linear Accelerator and has a remarkable track record and has put together the team to accelerate this transition to electric mobility with a focus on fleets. Yeah, and then there's another good point here, right? So so we are also very proud that Scylla is a woman CEO of, of, of a startup, right? So So... I don't know why, but if I if we look at our portfolio, actually, if you look at the proportion of women founders and CEO in our clean tech ventures, is fairly high. Scylla, you have uh, Natal Energy with uh, Schneider, Schneider, yeah, and Pretty Bajaj in uh, with Clipsol Solar. Do you think there is this is also an opportunity to go to a more diverse base of entrepreneurship because that's it has always been kind of the one of the issues of this of this ecosystem of VC, especially in the Silicon Valley. Is clean tech yeah. also an accelerator of diversity? I think it can be, but it won't be by default. And in part that's because of the demographics of who controls capital. I think we won't truly see a shift in the demographics of founders and and we won't see more underrepresented founders 
until we see those underrepresented leaders in venture making the investment decisions. I think one of the most important things that we can do, and you did it just now, is to spotlight and uplift the voices and the leadership of underrepresented founders, whether it's women or Black people or Latino people or Indigenous people. We think that this is something that we all have a responsibility to talk about, but we also have a responsibility to highlight the voices of people who have that lived experience. So, for example, we had Gia Schneider, the co-founder and CEO of Natal Energy, on our podcast, What It Takes, that we do in partnership with Green Tech Media. And that was right after she had closed her round that Schneider Electric participated in, along with Breakthrough Energy Ventures. And so highlighting people like her who are remarkable leaders in the space. And it's so important for other women and women of color to see people like her and say, oh, I do see myself as a founder, as a leader of a company, as a leader of a hardware and software company. So I think you're absolutely right to bring it up, especially given everything that is at the surface right now in the United States and around the world. And this is where actual commitments and and tracking of metrics is so important. And so at Powerhouse Ventures, at the beginning of the year, we made the commitment that a quarter of the investments we make this year, at least a quarter minimum, will be in companies with underrepresented founders. And so that's where we're starting. We have a long way to go to get to where we need to be. But we think that having the conversation is such an important place to start. So I'm really happy that you brought it up. A few weeks ago, and that was before the protests that we are we are seeing now in the US and in Europe around that topic precisely. So Mark Andreessen a few weeks ago wrote that op-ed, it's time to build and it's time for mm-hmm. a reset. And mm-hmm. it was already that idea that capitalism is good, is bringing progress, but we may need to do it differently this time. And this, this feeling that we are kind of all share that, well, it's been 10 years of building inequalities. As you add on top of this, a lot of divisive politics everywhere in the world, and it's not exclusive to the US, or at least everywhere in, in all democracies. Then four months of lockdown and people losing their job or people leaving the university with just debt and no perspective to get a job. And of course, this is a pressure cooker and and, and any social tension just bubbles up to, to, to the surface. And maybe it's time to really do things differently. What is your take on this? Yeah, I think when most investors talk about the need for a reset in Silicon Valley, they're talking about, hey, we need valuations of startups to come down. We (laughs) want to get more equity for our money. And that's legitimate and it is harder to raise money. So there will be an adjustment and we've seen that already. But I think the real reset, and to your point, the real reset that needs to happen is one of values and one of leadership in Silicon Valley, but across the state, across the country, around the world. As far as our values go, how many investors in Silicon Valley have put money into stuff that just doesn't matter? We need a values reset in venture where investors feel obligated to invest in technology that can truly make a meaningful difference in things that matter, like how all of us power our lives. And, And Powerhouse Ventures, we don't call ourselves an impact investor. You know, some people very squarely identify as an impact investor, but it feels unnecessary because every single investor we all have an impact. It can be a positive impact or a negative impact, but it's not neutral. And so I think the reset that needs to happen, one is around our own values. And if if you are in venture or are in the position to be investing, then think of yourself as an impact investor or think of the impact that you are having because you are having one. So that's one. And then two is, is this question of leadership and a reset of leadership. The vast majority of founders who get backed are financially privileged, are white, are male, and the vast majority of investors who back these founders are the same thing. And so we know that companies with diverse leadership and we know that funds with diverse leadership have better returns. And so 
if nothing else, from a fiduciary responsibility standpoint, we all need to be thinking about the leadership of the teams we invest in, our own teams, our own boards, and we need to prioritize building a more equitable and just society because that will lead to better outcomes for everyone. So that is informing our investment decisions. And I hope it's a call to other investors to to look internally, not just make the statements of support, but who is our board? Who are the founders that we invest in? Who's on our own team? Because this all has implications in terms of what the world looks like. And we have a long way to go, but I'm really happy that we're starting to have a conversation. That's a great point, right? So if you're, if you're an investor, think of, of yourself as an impact investor, as you said, right? Because you have an impact exactly. uh, and you have a responsibility in, in how teams, would they be bold investment teams or simply the teams that are working to build those, all those, those new ventures have to be diverse. What is true for large companies, and we do a lot of effort to make sure we are diverse and because we know that it's, that's bringing superior growth and superior returns for established corporations, though there is no reason why it would be different in ventures. Exactly. Uh, and actually failing to change, that may be the biggest danger that the Silicon Valley and part of that ecosystem may face. If we don't go to the side of capitalism that is responsible, that is considering itself as impact investing, no matter what you're doing, you have an impact. If we fail to do that, that probably doesn't bode well for the future. Any exciting projects in that line and, and, and in clean tech, any exciting projects you're working on and you can share with us, of course. Yeah, happy to happy to mention two that that stand out as particularly exciting to us. One is a, a company that we backed called TerraBase. And TerraBase digitizes the utility scale solar supply chain with their development and deployment platform, which tracks and automates all of the project complexities that come with utility scale solar projects. They've continued continued to see really healthy growth in their pipeline. They're raising around now and to see the interest that they're getting from some of the big investors in, in our sector is really exciting to see. And they're working on these projects that the scale is hard to imagine. Some of the projects that they've worked on are 10 by 10 miles. And so you're wow. talking about millions of panels, thousands of shipping containers, thousands of people working on these projects. And technology and software hasn't scaled at the same pace that renewable adoption and project size has scaled. And so TerraBase is really just catching us up to where we should have been anyway with the software to match the scale and size of the projects. And then the other one that that is particularly interesting is called Raptor Maps. And Raptor Maps is, is really fun. You know, people love drones. And so Raptor Maps is using aerial imagery from drones or planes to help develop, construct, operate, and rate utility-scale solar projects. And they partner with utilities and asset owners to replace labor-intensive manual inspections with these drone or fixed-wing flyovers, and that enables remote data collection and dramatically reduces the time and money it takes to inspect a project. And the reason we're so excited about them is, well, a lot of reasons, but one is it's so important to enable remote work right now, and that's what Raptor Maps has done from the beginning. It just happens to be really important right now. It also happens to be really important to save their customers as much money as possible. And it is so much cheaper to use their technology than to have manual inspections, which are just really time consuming and, and labor intensive. And three is, last time I checked, Raptor Maps is analyzing 3% of all of the solar that's deployed in the world using their software. And they're a 16 person company that's just now raising a price round. So the fact that 
a company can have that scale of deployment and and have the customers they have around the world when they're still relatively so early and just getting started with such a small but remarkable team. It speaks to the magic of software. The fact that they can do this is because they're ML and AI experts and they're applying that to this industry that has so much opportunity and really is just getting started. Yeah, those are two great examples, right? Precisely making that point that software is the solution in clean tech in many, many cases. It's not only about hard assets and, and capital intensity, which large corporations like the ones we have mentioned will, will help boost anyway. But it's a lot about, about software and that software is what will make the difference also in, in, in clean tech going forward. So to finish, Emily, if you had one advice to give to someone who would want to be you, someone who is changing the world from a very important place, but which has some some areas of dysfunction and that need to, to do a better job. What, what would you tell her or him to do? Or what is your secret? Um, <laughs> I guess the secret is, I think, you know, sometimes people say you have to be fearless and I don't think that's right. I don't think anyone's fearless. I have fear. The entrepreneurs we back have fears. I think maybe the secret is, We have those fears, but if we have conviction on something, if you have conviction on something, do it anyway. Like the world needs solutions. The world needs risk takers. The world needs founders that reflect the diversity of our country, which is what makes it great. And so if you feel called to attempt something, then entities like Powerhouse and people like me are here to back you. And I took that risk in starting Powerhouse seven years ago. I took that risk two years ago in starting Powerhouse Ventures. And both were two of the best decisions I've ever made. And being able to set the values and build culture and bring people in who may not otherwise find a place for themselves in the industry, and knowing that that actually makes you better and more successful, those are some of the things that I would I would encourage people to do because it is scary. There is no guarantee of success, but the country and the world is is calling us to play big and to take risks. And I think we all need to do that in, in our own way. Thank you. Great advice. Well, Emily Kirsch, founder and CEO at Powerhouse, managing director of Powerhouse Ventures. Thank you very, very much for being part of this uh, first podcast of uh, Schneider Electric Innovation at the Edge. Thanks again for, for your time today. Thank See you, you so much, Manuel. Thank you. Really appreciate Thank it. You, Emily. Thanks for listening to Innovation at the Edge by Schneider Electric. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. If you like this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Thanks. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be undertaken as financial, economic, legal, business, tax, or investment advice. The information, statements, views, and opinions should not be construed as the provision of advice by Schneider Electric or as an offer to buy or sell any products or services, or to make or consider an investment or course of action.